Hey everybody, welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast, episode number 136. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Trauma, and Neil, Liverpool Neil, is the other host, and he's here somewhere. Say hello, Neil. Hello, everybody. That was pretty smooth, Tom. You sounded like you knew what you were doing there. That was I a good a introduction. There. Like I was, I was rolling along, and then I kind of had a little hiccup. <laughs> but I was, well, because, you know, we're, the, today's theme is... Rock and roll high school, right, Neil? More it or is. less, our loose, our loose theme. Yeah, it's one. It's going to be one of those theme episodes when we don't have something when we're angry about, like we did on the last episode. Yeah, it was. It's funny because it feels good to get the anger out, but by the same token, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this every week, you know. Yeah, for sure. And well, the funny thing that's is, that's why I try to avoid politics because it just makes me so angry. You know, it just makes me so depressed, and I don't see any good solution to any of this crap, so. I mean, and the funny thing is, we ranted and raved, or I did anyway, about the Teenage Bottle Rocket thing on the last yep. episode, but it just seems like their tour is, apart from Chicago, and like the Midwest, apparently, their tour just seems to be continuing just fine, and they just yeah, seem I to be ignoring that. the whole they're, thing, so. And they're headed out to the West Coast uh, soon, too, and well, and the thing is, there's all these other bands touring with them, The Last Gang, which I believe is female-fronted, if we can still say that. Um, is joining them out west, and Tightwire is joining them out west. It's like well, all these other bands. I mean, let's face it, Teenage Bottle Rockets like a mid-level band. I mean, they're lower mid-level punk rock band. I mean, yeah. they're doing okay. They it's can make a full hundred probably, right? But attaching yourself to them is hardly a, a career-making move. So these other bands, you know, if they were really thought there was something going on there, I think they would probably walk away from these probably not very lucrative touring opportunities, right? Right, right. Uh, I guess we'll see because they're due to play Chicago again towards the end of November, I think, the plant Shop yep. Shop. So we'll see if this shit raises its ugly, stupid head again. But, uh, you know, anyway. Well, it's funny because there definitely seems to be club owners going different directions. Like the guy who owns Reggie's just doesn't seem to be give a crap. Which is good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good job, Reggie, if that's your name. Or Bob <laughs> yeah, or whatever. yeah, Mr. Reggie. And and Reggie's isn't doing a lot of the uh, COVID protocol stuff too, which I sort of appreciate. But uh, dude, talking Reggie's this week, it's like a really freaking stellar lineup there. Um, and now I have completely lost track of who it was that's playing. But Sloppy Seconds is playing on Friday. Yep. Coughing Cats are playing on Thursday, hmm. and Super Suckers are playing on Wednesday. So it's like it's a you know I wouldn't mind going all three days. I don't think yeah. I will, but um, I mean, it's a long drive and you won't. But yeah, we'll go Friday yeah. for sure. Yeah, well, I would. I mean, okay, so we'll open it up for the coffee. I know cats. you're a big coffee cats guy. I don't know if you're a big. You you, you like super suckers? Uh, no, but if there was nothing else happening, I would go. I know my buddy Rick sure. likes them a lot, so I'm okay. I'm sure he would like to go to. They that. are a great great rock and roll band. They do not draw flies, but they're a great great rock and roll band. Yeah, they played Motoblot uh, about five or six years ago. Actually, the headline Motoblot. So okay. I, I did see them. Dude, you could just go stand right up front and just scream for "Where's Rick Sims?" Yeah, <laughs> like he might Rick? show up. That would be funny if he showed up. Uh, did not sound like he was friendly with them anymore, did it? No, he, he has. I think he has a tendency to burn bridges. I have a feeling. <laughs> so that might be a Rick. <laughs> yeah, that might. It might. Who knows? Who knows which way you that know, goes? Maybe I'm wrong. Are, you know, beers are fairly affordable at Reggie's. So if you were going to go somewhere and throw beers at a band in Chicago, you could do it at a lot worse place than Reggie's. Because <laughs> you know you're not going to do that at like you know you're not going to do that at like. Uh, Wrigley Field or something where it's like $14 for Definitely. Beer. You're not going to spill a drop there, man, no. Um, exactly. But at the Coffin Cat show, uh, I, I'd almost be more interested in one of the bands that's opening up because uh, there was a Chicago band called the Rosedales who did like a horror punk kind of thing. Yeah, um, and they actually they were in a Misfits cover band too, like everybody mm. was. But um, then I believe one, at least one of their members moved to Arizona or something. So they don't play particularly often, but they're mm. playing that night. 
So what, is I, that they're called the Rosedales still? I mean, yeah, that's they're the called the Ro- yeah, okay. yeah, they're called the Rosedales. And uh, so I, I'm not actually, a very good name for a band, you know. I'm not actually, a very good name for a band. I'm actually, I'm actually, it's not bad. I'm actually tempted to to go to that just to see the Rosedales live because I've never seen them. Well, I, I have to encourage you not to do that because you won't be any good on Friday if you do. Well, I wasn't going to get hammered or anything like that, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You can't stay up past 10 o'clock or you're going to be no good. Listen, you. <laughs> well, it, it, well, and I, I said when we talked about going to see Boris, that was the most animated I've seen you. You had a couple drinks. You're neat. That was as wobbly as I've seen you. I mean, you weren't <laughs> falling down. You weren't falling down and acting stupid or anything, but you were definitely as wobbly as I've seen you. Oh, no. you've so, seen, Dude, you've seen me worse than that. That night that oh, you that came up. Oh, that night? <laughs> Yeah, the margarita night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, that was something. I don't know, man. I think you might have got food poisoned by some donkey meat or something. There seemed like there's something else going on there. Well, no, dude, we'd be drinking beers all day, and then I threw down like three margaritas at uh, Uncle Julio's. So I still don't see the problem. <laughs> well, yeah, for you, for me, I'm a lightweight, you know. Um, well, anyway, yeah. So before we talk about, oh yeah, well, I mean, no, no, that'd be cool, honestly, because you don't have to get up on Friday morning because right. we're not. Because we're going over there at one o'clock in the one o'clock in the afternoon or so, do a little shopping and meet up with Alan, and yeah, it'll be good. This is for our in-store performance. It's uh, yes, Siren Records in McHenry, where we're being interviewed by Goldmine Magazine, Doctor Disc. <laughs> you and I are just gonna have to go out and buy like fifty copies of that Goldmine Magazine, give them all to our our families and stuff, right? Like, you send a copy to your brother, and I'll give a copy to my mother. Look, mom, we finally made it. Yeah, Goldmine. Oh, that's true. Well, are we actually gonna get in the magazine, or is he doing it for like an online podcast or something? He's gonna do like a little, maybe like a little side blurb, like you know, like there's the main article, and then you got the little thing on the side that nobody reads. We wow, might be that would be cool. So we'll be we'll be wedged in between the, uh, the Leonard Skinner article and the uh, Fleetwood Mac exactly. article. It'll be great. Exactly. <laughs> 37 years ago today, Leonard Skinner, yeah, probably like 47 years ago today. Anyway, yes, so that would be cool. I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to that quite a bit. I think even if it, even if it's only, part, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think there's some potential there to, I think we can have some fun. I think maybe we can meet, I think maybe we'll meet some people that'll be good potential, like long form kind of interview guests. Yeah. So we'll keep it moving really quick. We'll keep it moving quick live. You know, you get 10 minutes with somebody and you can't really... Yeah, we're not going to do any like NPR type probing two hour interviews or something where we get deep into the Jughead's psyche and childhood trauma or something. We're just going to have a little quick, quick segment with a few different people and it uh, should be fun. So we're going to do a Facebook Live thing, you think? If we can, if we can pull it off. I, I've kind of been teasing that. I, I think it would be fun. You know, we did it when we were at the record farm and it turned out okay. Well, we, we didn't do it. What's his name did it for us? <laughs> Yeah, Matt did it for us. The, the, right. the, and, the Lord of Logansport did it for us. Well, and, and the yeah, maybe Scott, the Lord of Logansport, yes, <laughs> who we've just been talking to, and uh, we we may have something. We're thinking we might have something. We're cooking up something for Christmas, kids. So it yeah. could be fun. Yeah, so. cooking up for Christmas. So when you think punk till I die, you think Christmas spectacular, right? Now, uh, with my, uh, I think my daughter's going to come on Friday, so so she can be in charge of our. Uh, there you go. Yeah. She can take my phone and just go live or whatever. I got a new phone, Neil. I'm like, uh, it like holds a charge. It's really, uh, it's just, it's, it's an amazing phenomenon. Amazing. It's got a pretty decent camera. Good. Yeah. Maybe so. she can, maybe she can figure that out and she can do this. I was going to say, better her than Scott, right? Because he's, he's old like us. <laughs> yeah. He'll just be, he'll be focusing on like the ceiling or something the whole time. It'd be like, it'd be get drawn away by like, if there's like some cleavage there or something, it'd just be like <laughs> straight cleavage footage. That might be more entertaining than looking at us though, to be honest. Exactly. 
It's like, Scott, stop pointing the phone at Juicy Asses and get the stars of the show in there, would you? And uh, Juicy Asses is not the name of the band that's playing, just so you guys that's know. That's the, that's the name of Neil and I's super group, the <laughs> Juicy Asses. Actually, so. I got I, I got a I got another new name for a band. Uh, I've added it to my list. Listening to the uh, Dwarves, um, and I don't remember which album it was, but I think maybe the Dwarves are young, good looking. But on one of the songs, he uttered the the term um, "Universal Quim," and I was like, "I love that Universal oh, Quim." That That's going to be the name of my band. Universal Quim. I don't know what that means, Neil. Uh, you know, a Quim is a lady's private parts, right? Oh, is that right? So, man, I know a thousand words for that. I don't know that that's one of them, but anyway, yeah. maybe that's an English thing. But anyway, he he did it to rhyme with whim, something whim, and he did mm. universal quim. So I I was I I appreciated that, you know. Huh. So anyway, well, I was going to try to think of a, a mentor's rhyme that was even more disgusting, but I couldn't I can't remember what they rhymed it with. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Listen, so we're gonna do a we're gonna do a. All our songs are high school themed. Today, yes, so, really are. That is our that is our theme today. Our theme is about school. It's been something I've been thinking about for a while, but um, I thought it would be kind of interesting for us to probe each other on on that, and uh, and then we can have school themed songs, right? I don't know if "probe" is the right word, but all right, we'll. Uh, <laughs> I know you were probed recently, but I think they knocked you out for it, right? <laughs> that luckily they did. Yes, they knocked me out for my. Uh... All right, let's. Uh, I'm going to play a song, you. Go for it, mate. This describes my first two years of high school, definitely. I was at the big school in Wisconsin. This is uh, Screeching Weasel. I was a high school psychopath.
a screeching weasel there with I was a high school psychopath. Were you a high school psychopath? Uh, well, actually, you know what? Let's not even get to high school yet. So, My old band used to cover that song very yeah? poorly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so you just said you were in Wisconsin. So at what age did you move from Wisconsin to Michigan? So my parents are both from around the little town I live in now. Okay. They live, they live on kind of either side of it. And uh, I went. To, I started kindergarten at the school that I graduated in. And then halfway through kindergarten, we moved to Wisconsin. So I was five and a half. It was 19, end of 1978. So why did they move to Wisconsin? Uh, it was a job thing. Dad's job. Okay. Very traditional family at that point. Mom didn't really work. Uh, dad, you know, had a, he worked, he was a machinist. He was uh-huh. you know, blue collar. So whereabouts in Wisconsin was it again? I was in a town called Hartford. I was there for, uh, about 10 and a half years. So sort of my formative years. So between the age of five and a half and 16, that's where I lived. Oh, so that was, okay. So you were there for middle school and stuff. Yeah. I moved back to this small town I'm in now. Still, I, I moved back here for my last two years of high school. Well, that must've been difficult, huh? Um, not really, because here's the thing. My school in Wisconsin was very large. Like the classes were four to 500. Um, and I moved back here and, and, and I was definitely sort of getting into punk rock and stuff at that point before that. And I was sort of a weirdo, but nobody really noticed at the bigger school. But then when I came to the very small school that I graduated at with only 120 in my class, it was pretty easy to stand out. And everybody was sort of interested in the weird new kid. So it worked out pretty well for me, actually. Okay, so you'd been gone long enough, obviously, that nobody remembered you from living I had there a few, before. I had a few friendships I'd actually maintained, including, like, Scott, my buddy, that you know. Um, I had a few people, because I would spend a lot of summers here Okay. with my gran- with my grandparents. Like, I'd just come stay with my grandparents for a couple of weeks during the summer. Yeah, 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 and do farm stuff. So, here. go to summer camp and hang out with the guys and stuff. So, yeah, I had uh, I had some relationships, actually. So, that actually helped, probably. Now, my relationships, my friends that I'd had that I maintained were not particularly popular in high school. But that's all right. They were kind of, you know, they weren't jocks or, you know, they were just kind of wallflowers, I guess, or whatever. But that's all right. Okay. So, we, maybe. so a, a young Tom in uh, in middle school or whatever, what's, what age did you start listening to? Well, was punk rock your first love or did you go like to Dude, metal first know. or something? Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Alex just came up from her grave, from her bedroom, <laughs> in like her grave-like bedroom. There's lots of leftovers in the fridge. <laughs> anyway so i'm doing a thing here alex my you know honestly neil I was, I was thinking about that the other day the first thing that probably caught my attention that i really woke my musical interest was probably like michael jackson like 82 wow they were talking about michael jackson yesterday with uh on one of the john phone calls but okay so 82 alex michael said, jackson. really she hmm. said really yeah, what, what did you listen to that was so great alex anyway but the, yeah, pop music, and then I I was hair metal man. I was a big hair metal kid. So, what were some of your favorite bands, and what? How old are we talking? Oh, like twelve, thirteen. Mm-hmm. What's that? I don't know. You better wait. It's not mine. It's not mine to give away. <laughs> and then so yeah, Doc and Def Leppard like that, Scorpions, stuff like that. And that's just what because like everybody else in school was listening to that shit too. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Um. That was probably the and so yeah, my first musical love was hair metal. I mean, I like pop music. I watched MTV and stuff when I was a young kid, but man, yeah, that's the one that really connected with me. Which is funny looking back at it now, because it's just all songs about like sex and drugs and rock and roll. And I was literally like a fourteen-year-old kid sitting in my bedroom, 
with nothing going on. You know? So were you able to go to any concerts or anything like that, or was there no? Yeah, a little bit. By yeah, the time it was about fifteen, sixteen. Yeah. What was your first? What was the first show you went to? Dude, I know I've said this before, and people are gonna laugh, but my the first concert I went to without my parents was called the World Series of Rock, and it was Poison, <laughs> White Lion, Tesla, Winger, and the Bullet Boys. It was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. Nobody can make fun of me about that. I don't care. It was the most amazing thing. Really, like, turned me on to music, live music. I mean, I was I was hooked at that point. Now, where was that? Was that in Milwaukee or something? It was or? in Alpine Valley, Wisconsin. I don't know. Oh, Alpine closest... Valley. I remember Alpine Valley. Yeah, that you was. Uh... That's where Stevie Ray Vaughan died. Yeah, people would uh, people would go from Chicago to see shows at Alpine Valley sometimes. Yeah, it's probably almost right between. It's close to the state line, I think. Almost right between Chicago and Milwaukee. I don't know if it's still open anymore. No, I think it's long gone. It was a huge place. It held like forty thousand people. It, had, it was one of those places that had the big pavilion and then the big hill mm-hmm. behind it. And but you know, like the Grateful Dead would play there for three nights in a row or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was when I was. Uh, I must have been like fourteen or fifteen. There was a show called. Oh, was, what the heck was it called? Monsters of Rock. Did you ever hear the Monsters of Rock? And I wanted to go to that so bad, but I couldn't. My parents, you know, I was too young. But it was Van Halen, Scorpions, like Metallica. Oh, gold, oh, A-level bands, huh? A-listers. Kingdom Come. Well, they weren't at the time. The Metallica wasn't that big. Van Halen was the headliner. Oh, okay. Van Halen, Scorpions, Metallica, Kingdom Come. I can't remember who else, but that was like, I wanted to go that so bad, but I didn't. I sat home and listened to my radio. So we are, we are folks pretty cool with you listening to me. Like, did you have your hair long and stuff like that? And you were I did. I had my hair long. They did not like it, and they weren't particularly cool with me listening to whatever. But they were. They let me do what I wanted. They weren't like super. Uh, you know, they they I think understood the concept of if I don't let them do this, it's just going to drive them to it. Right. So yeah, my my parents are all right. I mean, they're they're we've had our issues over the years, but they're all right. And of course, unlike me. You guys probably didn't have a school uniform, right? So you could wear whatever nah. you wanted to school every day. Nah, I dressed like Johnny Ramon. I've dressed like Johnny Ramon since eighth grade. <laughs> Even though I don't have my leather jacket, I don't really wear my leather jacket anymore. But yeah, blue jeans, leather jacket, t-shirt. That's it. Ah, okay. Boots uh, or I had you know square-toed engineer boots or sometimes uh, Converse or we used to buy a lot of the old uh, Vietnam back when we were a kid. You could still get a lot of the Vietnam surplus boots. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. like twenty bucks. Yeah, they had, like the, a lot of those. they had like the canvas sides or something, right? Yeah, yeah, like the mesh side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the mesh side, the, like the leather toes. What about what about yourself, Neil? What was your first musical love? So, uh, complete opposite from from your experience, right? When I when I was growing up, especially when I was little, the school, the like the junior school I went to when I was like, you know, between six and ten or something, it was basically it was a Victorian building. And everything was still very Victorian. And the, the desks we had still had inkwells and stuff like that. They'd probably been used since like the 1880s and stuff. And you were dressed like Angus Young. Uh, yeah, exactly. It was all school uniform. Um, we weren't allowed to wear long pants until we went to middle school. So we were in short pants the whole time, even though it was, you know, even in the middle of the winter, we'd be wearing short pants. Um, little cap, you know, jacket, uh, blazer, we call it, shirt and tie. Uh, so very, very traditional like that. And, um, but musically, I didn't really get, you know, it sounds, it sounds like I'm telling stories, but it's true. I didn't really get into anything until I heard punk for the first time. Uh, I was aware of music. But you were, but you were like, uh, 14 or something or 15 by the time that rolled around, right? Yeah, I was 14. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'd listened to stuff other than stuff on the radio before then, like sweet and stuff like that. You know, a lot of the glam stuff. Slade. 
Slade, yeah, Sweet, yeah. Sweet were my guys though. I, I loved Sweet. I was. What's your oh Mark like Mark Bolin that kind of stuff, right? My brother was a huge Mark Bolin fan, so I I knew Bolin uh, because of that. I knew T Rex because of that, and some of the other stuff he listened to I didn't like at all. Like he liked Yes and shit like that, Led Zeppelin. So he'd have, <laughs> he'd have all that stuff on Sabbath, and uh, so we'd play it. I was aware of it, but I didn't really like it. It didn't speak to me at all until um his friend brought over oh, i've talked about this before the first ramones album the first clash album so this would have been you know 77 summer 77 or something like that and uh i i don't think andy listened to them once my brother but i played them incessantly for like the three days we had them and i recorded them on my little you know one of those little piano key cassette recorders you know oh yeah I recorded them on that, and I would walk around summer of '77 listening to that first Ramones album, uh, nonstop. And nah, but so, but it's difficult. Okay, when you're in school in England back then, '77 especially '77, '78, uh, difficult to show any kind of uh, individuality in your dress because again, it was school uniform, right? So the only thing you could do really was to wear a you try and get straight leg pants instead of flares because everybody else was in flares right and uh get your hair cut short because everybody had long hair people forget that about the 70s man it was like it was very difficult to get straight leg pants it was everybody had long hair you know even people who weren't like into music and stuff everybody had long hair that's just was it like the beatles influence or what no it was just well it was like you it was just that's what everybody did everybody had long hair well but we had i mean i had long long hair even when you look at when i got married i my hair touched my waist wow dude wow i'll let's see some pictures of that i think we need pictures of that on the group so yeah no i had very very long hair I, i i honestly avoided the mullet because i had it long all over I didn't have like the chop short on top, maybe like eighth grade or something. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when I got older, I just grew it over my face. Yeah, you know, I grew it. I grew it long. So this, I, so, honestly, so, I, I loved having long hair, dude. I just it just started falling out when I was in my early twenties, and it looked stupid. So, so when I say long hair, I said that that wouldn't have been allowed at school either, because school had very, you know with the uniform and stuff. There was we had very strict rules. So your hair could go to your collar, I think, but it couldn't go longer than that. So, mm. um, but everybody had you know just a center part or whatever it was the 70s man it was bad so when i first got my haircut short um which was very radical uh back then i was the only kid in school who uh who had a short haircut and it, even though it looking back now it was just like a side part that was just short you know but it was everybody was thinking i was some kind of freak you know and i had i'd managed to find some straight leg um black pants and uh, that was difficult to do again. Like, you, you take it for granted now. You can just go to the Levi store and buy whatever size and whatever width pants you want, right? But back then in England, man, at least in by me, it was difficult to find straight like pants. I mean, sometimes you just have to take your old jeans and have your mother bring them in or something, you know? <laughs> that was that uh, that was a thing, too. They'll, they'll be hacked to, hacked to bits. But, um, but, yeah, everybody looked at me like a freak, and, you know, I'd have – and the other thing you'd do, you'd put, like, badges of your favorite band on the lapels of your of your blazer. See, I'm surprised they let you do that. Sometimes, like, they won't like, let you wear a T-shirt or a sweater, but you have to – you can put badges? Well, it's that's funny you say that. So um, a lot of the badges back then were what we called jam lid badges or whatever. They were huge, like big, white, like two-inch badges, right? And, again, that's a mm. remnant of the 70s because everything was – big and wide in the 70s the ties the the pants everything the collars exactly so the thing with punk was everything was the opposite of that right everything was small 
So the collars were small, the skin, uh, the ties were skinny, you know, the pants, you know, straight leg pants. Um, and so, uh, badges. So punk rock bands started putting out badges that were like the ones you'd see today, like an inch or something like that, or less than an inch, right? The small ones. So if you had one of those on your, on your blazer and it wasn't really obvious, they might think it was like a, like some kind of club or something. And you were allowed to do that. Like if you were in Boy Scouts or something, you could wear your Boy Scouts badge or something. You know what I mean? So if you had a nice little jam badge or something, you could wear that on your blazer and they wouldn't notice. If they did, some kids took to like putting the badges inside out. So it would be inside the lapel. Uh, so you'd like pull your collar up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's just, you're all walking, you're all walking around looking like a bunch of us senators. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Your little stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But it is funny. It's funny looking back on those days, man, because it was, uh, you know, you would do anything to, and your shoes as well. Maybe instead of wearing like just the big, the horrible like desert boots or whatever the people were wearing in the seventies, you'd wear. You try and find some ones that had like a pointy toe or something, you know. Or, and again, there wasn't a lot of money going back around then. So, Doc Doc Martens back then, man. Doc Martens were um, only policemen and postmen were Doc Martens. Like you, that that's that wasn't a regular. Or if you were really poor, you'd get a pair of docks from the uh, from the army army surplus store or whatever. Really? They, were, they were nineteen pounds. Yeah. Ironic. Now they're like a hundred bucks, right? Or well, over. yeah, it's completely ironic that now they're like the the huge fashion staple, right? But yeah, back then it was uh, docks were not a thing at all. You know. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, and you couldn't wear gym shoes either. That was another part of school uniform. There was no gym <laughs> shoes. So now yeah. I see kids walking around literally wearing sweat, just sweatpants and right. just like wife beaters. Right. All right. I'm what gonna, song are you going to play? I'm going to play a song. Play? Um, I'm going to play, so I'm going to play, uh, just school based songs, but a lot of them are from like late, late seventies. So this first one is but from a band, uh, from Ireland. I don't know if they're from the north or the south i'm not quite sure but anyway this band's called the star jets and this song is called school days i go to school and i get old i told the line what i'm told they say that i'm a good boy Time before In my school days I had 
was Star Jets there with School Days. Um, Star Jets actually had a couple of minor hits. Uh, well, that, so, good, good band. so that's not that's not a cover of the like. Uh, no, Chuck Berry. Chuck no. Berry. Song. No, okay. no. This is a uh, this is specifically about uh, how much everyone in England hated school. You know, because you could. Okay, so you could leave. Could you leave school at sixteen? Uh, yeah, I, I think you could drop it at sixteen. Still, you know. It was never really an issue in my house. Like, there was no way I was going to drop out of school. Like, there was, I can't imagine having the conversation with my dad saying I was going to drop out of high school. And looking back, honestly, it it was the easiest time of your life. If you can't make it through high school, life is going to be very difficult, right? Right. But so we did have a lot, a lot of dropouts. It was still very common 30 years ago when I graduated. Now, I I don't think many kids drop out anymore. Well, it just was, you know, my parents were. Not like super well educated, but they both had some college. It just wasn't one of those. There was not going to be. We were not dropping out of high school. But your town, at least, it had. Um, I mean, you had a bit of industry in your town, right? So that if you did drop out of high school, you could conceivably get a job, right? Wasn't there? Uh... Well, but even so, so even when I was so I graduated thirty years ago, you couldn't you couldn't like get a factory job at sixteen. Oh, you couldn't. Okay. No, you had to be eighteen years old to do that. Interesting. So if you dropped out, you were working at a gas station. You're dropping out. You're working in fast food, something like that. I mean, unless maybe you had some kind of a family business. But let's face it: if your family is fairly prominent and you have a family business, then you're finishing high school for the yeah. most part. Now, why couldn't you get a factory job at sixteen? What's, what's the matter with that? It just wasn't legal. It's just how labor laws. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, in England, you, in England, you could. I mean, a lot of kids dropped out. So. For us now, if you're six, so you're a sixteen year old kid, you drop out of high school, you get a factory job and drink at the pubs. Well, it's, you're basically like a thirty year old at sixteen. Well, that, and, that, and that's an interesting point. So, but in England, no, I mean, it didn't mean that doesn't mean you didn't graduate because you graduated sixteen. Um, with your old, at least back then oh, for me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, because you had to be about eighteen to graduate here. Oh yeah, okay. So you can graduate. You gra- you graduate at sixteen, but most people and you take your exams. Those are the O levels, and but most kids stay or not most kids maybe half kids or whatever you'd stay on and stay on at school for another 2 years and do what's called your A levels and those are what would get you or you would retake your O levels you know if you'd failed them um for like kids who are going to college yeah exactly and that's what and it was much more difficult to get into college back then but because we're talking like uh i mean late 70s early, so early 80s right probably. yeah um, you needed really good grades in your A levels to get into university back then. It's not like today really? anybody can fucking go. Um, they're but, beg- yeah, they're begging for kids. I get, I get seventeen pieces of mail a day trying to get my son to go to their college. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so half kids maybe stayed on until they were eighteen in in the sixth. It was called that was called the sixth form. Um, where you were seventeen and eighteen, and then you know you would graduate at eighteen. You'd leave you'd leave school at eighteen then, and probably go to college. Or you know some people just went right into the job market at that point, you know, with their A levels, or they'd re- reset their so, O levels. So it's, you know? it's, it can't be like that still, is it? I mean, you're talking forty years ago. You've been out of high school forty years. Jesus Christ! So forty years, man. Jesus. <laughs> well, I said this would have been the, my thirtieth. We would have had our thirtieth reunion this yeah, year. We right. didn't have. We I mean, didn't I was have going one. To, you're right. I started. Day. I started college forty years ago. That's right. That would have been 1981, yeah. I mean, it's not still like that in England, right? I mean, I imagine 16-year-old kids aren't going right into factories in Birmingham, are they? Yeah, they're sure sure they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, it's much, much easier to get into college. Well, they call it – because back then, university was where the super smart kids went. The kids who did worse on their exams went to what's called a polytechnic which might be some oh, technical skills and stuff. Yeah. And then below that was like college, which was community college, right? But – you know, maybe still only like thirty percent of the kids went 
But today, it's like 60%. It's like, it, it's like it is in the States. Pretty much everybody wants to go to college of some kind, you know, and they've... Well, yeah, the irony is, you know, the, that polytechnic school or whatever. The fact of the matter is, you know, if you get out of school in this country right now and become a welder out of school, you're going to be making good, good money. Oh, damn straight, years. yes. Yeah, I mean, and, technical and schools are where it's at, yeah. You know, my oldest son's graduated college, and he really hasn't found the big boy job yet. You know, he's still working retail, still... So there's no guarantees with the college. If you can actually do something with your hands, it's become such a valuable asset because nobody can do anything anymore. Well, it's, yeah, and you're right. Like you, you take two years at a technical school or something and you come out as a plumber or you come out as a welder or whatever. I mean, my our buddy Jason, you know, who runs the brewery, he used to be a welder. Yeah. He used to making really, really good money. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, you call a plumber over to your house, you're paying a minimum $100 an hour for a plumber. Right. Yeah, I think here you know, close so to two hundred. Even if you're going yeah. to work, and, even if you're going to work and making a good living, you're still paying through the no. Or get your car fixed. It's a hundred bucks an hour minimum to get your car fixed. You know, I mean these right. things. And man, we got good jobs, but I ain't making a hundred dollars an hour. That's for sure. Right. So, R- rather than the uh, going to university for four years, racking up a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and coming out with a yeah. degree in uh, medieval studies or something. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's no use to anybody. Here but you anyway, have it. Digress. Tom and Neil are anti higher education. You heard it here first. Uh, but not I, necessarily. Yeah, so I stayed on. Obviously, I stayed on till I till I was eighteen. Um, and those were those were some of the funnest years. So let's see. I first got my haircut. I think I saw the Buzzcocks in late '78, and I got my haircut like two days later. Um, so <laughs> the, it, that was one of those things. It really was one of those things where I I, I saw my first live band, Buzzcocks, at Liverpool Empire, um, October '78. And got my haircut like a day later, and it changed my whole worldview because I'd been a big, like, nerdy, sweaty kid before then. Like, I was top of the class, and that stuff was all really important to me. And after listening to punk rock and stuff, I just saw it. Wow, that's not that important at all. Punk I rock should be... ruined Neil's life. He could yeah. have been like, <laughs> I could have like been a Elon CEO. I could have been a millionaire exactly. by now, goddammit. You could have been like Elon Musk, but no, the Buzzcocks. Thanks a lot, Pete Shelley. Yeah, thanks a lot, Pete Shelley. Thanks a lot, TV Smith. I think I said that to him when, when he was on, right? <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but yeah, right. so it, that really did that really did change my life. But anyway, we'll come back to me. So uh, why don't you pick a song and talk about, a little bit about my about your experience again? All right. This, this song is by The Replacements. It's on their second album, third, third album, second album, Stink called fuck school
So fuck school there by by the replacements. And it's funny. I mean, a lot of us had those kind of thoughts back then of how much we hated school and stuff. But looking back, they were great times, weren't they? I mean, did you really enjoy was. did you enjoy school or not? I I, I did for the most part, especially once I moved back to Michigan, where I was kind of a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. Um, but I was gonna say so. My my so I have two kids in high school still. I have one kid that's out of college, one kid that's in college, and two kids that are still in high school. My son is a senior, and my daughter is a freshman. And my daughter plays in the marching band. So I have been going to football games, which I had zero interest in when I was in high school. But because my daughter plays in the marching band, we've been going to football games again. Were you uh, you a sports guy? Because I, I played sports as a kid, like everybody. played baseball and Played a little football and basketball, whatever. Baseball was the main one. But once I got into high school, I really didn't do anything like that. Were you a sports guy in high school, Neil? Um, I was completely, yeah. So I'd been um, – I was good at soccer um, from the time I was little. I mean, I, I, I'm kicking a ball from the time I was five. So I'd always played on teams. Uh, so I was always on the school team uh, for soccer from uh, – or football, as we call it. But I don't want to confuse people. From when I was like – seven to i think the end of middle school i think in high school i played on the school team for a couple of years but then i st- stopped playing uh because you got your hair cut and started drinking right yeah <laughs> actually kind of yeah kind of but the thing i did do um i'd always love cricket and i played cricket throughout high school and what i ended up in my final year i was actually captain of the i was captain of the first team um and so, yeah, I was I was good at cricket. So, so I was always kind of a jock, even though I was a well, not a jock. It doesn't it, it, the two things don't really compete uh, compare the U.S. and and the U.K. equivalents of what a jock is. But uh, mm, really? I did I did play I did play sports. Yeah, huh. but it was none of that. Well, you know, like like over here, there's that you know football beat up it's the like nerds the kind of thing. Versus nerds. Like yeah, the jocks versus nerds dynamic, right? Yeah, there was there was really nothing like that because everybody played football. So that really wasn't it. Well, you know, we've I've mentioned before my Sorry. my older son or my younger son rather was my athlete. I mean, they all played baseball and did a little bit of stuff. But my younger son Murphy, who's a senior, he played baseball, travel ball for years and years. We drove all over the place, and now he uh, just finished playing tennis his senior year, and he wrestles. So we spent a lot of time. We're we're those parents, you know, where we go to everything. We are we are these supportive parents. We don't miss much of anything of our kids, mm-hmm. even to the point where I'm sitting at a freaking high school football game. I'm not an anxious person, but seeing all those people I went to school with doesn't do much for me, Neil. Doesn't do much for me. Doesn't do much for me at all. Free, freezing your ass off in the stands while it's uh, pouring down with yeah, rain. Yeah, rain Friday. That was not that nice. The team is pretty decent, I guess. Uh, I think they made the playoffs. So yeah, it's 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 interesting, man, uh, because. I was not a I was not a school spirit guy, mm-hmm. and I'm still not. I'm still not. You know, it's like my wife is. You know, she's got like the like uh, you know she's got the, the Broncos gear on, and she's all dressed in green. I'm just like uh, <laughs> damn punk rock. I said I support my kids, but I still don't care about a lot of it. You know. Yeah. No, I couldn't believe when I first came over here. I could not believe the kind of stadiums and and sports uh, recreational facilities that you guys have over here, both in college and high yeah, school. These because football, these high school football fields are insane now. Because all we had, you know, all we had, there'd be some playing fields behind the school and there'd be some soccer fields with, goal, with uh, you know, posts set up and that's it. 
just and it would be muddy there would be no one taking care of them it would be muddy and just i mean i can remember playing with like you know ankle deep mud i mean it wouldn't even and it would be freezing cold and like hailing and stuff and we'd still you know the masters would whip us out there and we'd go out and play for three hours or whatever it was you know um it was a very different time man when i was growing up so in middle school i remember this this is funny in middle school the gym teachers uh if you brought in a note and said that you know you were too sick, you didn't you, know, you didn't want to go out and play soccer for three hours, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, if they said you were too sick, the master would he'd, he'd pull up his car behind the school, a Ford Escort, and he'd make you wash his car. <laughs> that, was, that was that was that was what you did if you did, if you were too sick. We had a sick note. He'd make you wash his car. <laughs> That's so funny, you know. And we got corporal punishment and stuff. Uh, the masters would have a cane. You'd get the cane on your hand. Or, mm. and the gym teachers would give you the slipper. they take up one of the huge, like, Nike, uh, Adidas or whatever and bend you over a chair and wallop you <laughs> ten times on the ass with a, with, a, with a shoe, you know? That's what it was back, you know, it's, it was very, very old-fashioned, you know? It was very old-fashioned, except for the one kid who actually enjoyed that and was constantly getting in trouble so he could be bent over the chair and spanked with the Adidas. Well, uh, well okay, let's, let's talk about this then. So, so after gym or whatever, because you had gym class, I imagine – did yeah. everyone have to take a shower afterwards? Was it like a com- communal shower? We never did. Wow. The only time I did, like, I wrestled middle school and stuff, and we had to shower after wrestling practice. I mean, you wanted to. It was nasty. and mm-hmm. You know, you were nasty. But, yeah, we never – they never had time for that. And I, I just – I just yeah, they run us through. So, yeah, you get a little – I mean, I didn't. I don't think I took gym after about eighth grade or something. I don't remember. Maybe Maybe 10th. But I don't remember what the requirement was. I took the minimum. So we had, we had, you know, everyone had to take a shower after playing football outside in the mud for two hours or whatever. You get in the showers, and he always felt so bad. There'd always be the one kid that would get a boner in the showers, and he was oh, he, no. his his no, life. That's not true. It is that's true. It is happen. true, and his life would be made a living hell for the next four years. It was just I always wow. felt so bad for for that kid. I can remember. I can remember his name now. Was who was he looking at you? I, I don't think it's it's probably one of those things, dude. When you think you know, it's like laughing at a funeral. You're like the last no, thing I, I the last thing I want to do right now is things, do that. Like you know? I said, we had to do it every day after wrestling practice. That I don't remember that ever happening to anyone. Well, there you go. I guess you were just a bunch of ugly dudes. <laughs> I guess. All right, Neil. Play another play another song. Okay, going along with yours. Your replacement song was called "Fuck School," right? So I'm going to play a band, uh, I think they were from the Birmingham area, Wolverhampton or something, called the Suburban Studs. And uh, this song... Have you played got... it before? That sounds familiar. Yeah, maybe. Uh, this song is uh, probably their most well-known song. They, they kind of almost always struck me as like Johnny Come Lately's kind of cashing in on the punk scene. But anyway, this is the song, I Hate School. <laughs>
you go. Suburban studs there with I Hate School. And the funny thing is, they wrote that song. They were probably all in like their mid-20s or early 30s. <laughs> and it, but apparently they still hate school. Maybe they were teachers. <laughs> Dude, there's a song on the radio right now. I occasionally will catch some radio on the way home from work. And it's by Rise Against, the Chicago punk band. I use the term loosely. Yep. And they have this song. It's called We Are the Nowhere Generation. We are the something. We are the kids that no one wants. And I'm like, aren't you guys in your 40s now? <laughs> And they're still singing songs about, you know, rebelling against their parents. I'm like, I mean, I know who their audience is. Their audience is teenage kids. But, I mean, it's like, come on, dudes. These guys are like my age, you know? Right. That's actually kind of embarrassing, isn't it? Well, uh, it's just. I mean, unless it's a really old song I mean, I or get something. It. I you get know? it. You know, what are you going to write songs about how, you know, how much your how, how property taxes have gone up? I mean, what do you write songs <laughs> about when you're, you know, our age? <laughs> yes, my four, my 401k isn't doing as well as it used to. My stock exactly. options are not, are not great. They could think they could do something i don't know anyway so 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 tell me about when did you okay so you're her metal guy uh johnny you know regular regular american kid into his hair metal and stuff so at what age do you start getting into punk and how does that start to influence the way you dress and stuff tell me about that well, it's funny because I didn't really have to change the way I dressed. <laughs> well, that's true with the Ramones, I guess. That's true. I had long right? hair and I had the leather, black leather jacket, and I had the you know tight Levi's five hundred one usually jeans mm-hmm. and some kind of boots. Um, and Tom no longer has long pants, and he no longer has any hair. I don't have, I don't have long pants. I don't have long hair. That's right. Well, it's funny, you know, because we're getting together this weekend, and it's the end of October. I think I'll probably have to wear jeans. Mm. Amazing. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um. But it's funny because it wasn't it wasn't like I you know I t- I told the story about hearing the Ramones after midnight and I was just like wow it's like everything I like about the music I like without any of the crap right um, but it wasn't like once I heard the Ramones I never listened to Def Leppard again it was definitely a you know sort of a transitional period mm-hmm. and I started hanging out with some kids that uh, were skaters and started hearing DRI and Suicidal Tendencies and Circle Jerks and Dead Milkman and all that kind of stuff. So there was definitely I was still living in two worlds at that point. Really, I was I was probably in my even in my twenties before I really started listening to like only punk rock. Mm-hmm. And even then, I did that for a while. I'm like, ah, you know, it's 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 okay to like a little bit of the other stuff. And I don't don't get me wrong, I don't listen to Def Leppard at home anymore or whatever. But I uh, I don't listen to Circle Jerks all the time. So what was the first so. punk show that you went to? Um, well, it depends if you're talking like, I, I went to some like local, saw some small bands, local bands in Wisconsin. Um, yeah, well, really I was, I was probably back here by that point. Okay. So, yeah. So I was going to say, so, so at what point are you list on to listen to the Ramones? Are you still in Wisconsin or are you in Michigan yeah, yeah, by this time? Still in Wisconsin, but I didn't have a driver's license until I moved back here. So I would have had to rely on my parents for, for all that stuff. So, and they did take me like, I went and saw like the who at Alpine Valley and they took me. Mm-hmm. And I went with some friends to see that poison show at Alpine Valley, but I wasn't 16 yet. But um, the first, I think the first, and, and I know these, they, they were really more metal at this point, but I think the first like big name punk show I went to, I think was DRI. Wow. Um, and I brought my girlfriend at the time and she did not like it. And <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> I was like 16. She was like 15 and her, and she brought a friend because that's what you do when you're that age. Yeah, yeah. And I was just I, I was enraptured by what was going on. I was it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So that was a that was in Grand Rapids. Yeah, I, yeah, in the kind of the, out in the burbs. And she and her friend walked to Meyer, which is like a big box like Walmart type store. Yeah, yeah. 
like like a half mile away. It's funny. You look at that now. I'm like, man, if my kids, I'd be like horrified if my kids were at the show, dude, or walked to the mire by themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it was a different era, but I think that was the first big one. I mean, there was a, there was a local band I'd seen definitely called uh, Dagwood that went on to become the crabs who we became pretty good friends with and played a bunch of shows with. Um, but I think that was the first big like punk show I went to was DRI. Hmm. Like name, like name punk show. Did Scott go with as well? He did not go to that one, no. Okay. That was, I mean, we were friends, but it was just, uh, he was more of a worker bee than I was even in high school. Okay. So, but yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I, I think, I think, don't, don't, I may, I may be wrong about that, but you said the first one you went to was Buzzcocks, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and actually just like you, my mom and dad drove me to that. So there's a funny story behind that one. So, I mean, I still wasn't dressing punk at all at this point. Um, and it was a Saturday. And one of my cousins uh, was getting married that day over in Liverpool. And so we went to the wedding and I was wearing my school uniform because I didn't have a suit. So I was wearing my school uniform to the wedding for whatever reason. But then I had a change of clothes in the car because I knew I was going to see the Buzzcocks that night um, with a couple of other kids. I was going to meet a couple of other kids from school who wanted to go. And uh, we had tickets. So my dad, we left this wedding, drove past Liverpool Empire, and <laughs> I cannot remember, I mean, it was really, it was, it was not scary, but it was uh, intimidating, because, uh, so I changed in the car, but I was still wearing, like, flare jeans and a stupid rugby shirt or something, and at this point, I looked like Didi Ramon, that was what my haircut was like, it was like a bowl cut in the front and kind of longish at the back, right, that's what it, that's what it was like, and so I'm getting out of the car, and there's, like, these you know, Sex Pistols looking punk rockers outside of the Liverpool Empire, all dicking about on the steps. And, you know, it was you know, chains and safety pins and, you know, and all that stuff. And my mother looked terrified. She's like, are you sure you want to go in there? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think so. And I'd never been to a concert before. I'd never, you know, it was my first experience of live music. And Your my, parents never took you? You never saw anything with your parents? Because I, I mean, I'd gone to a few things with my parents. I mean, classical maybe or something. Okay. Maybe when I was small, you know, or a pantomime or something. But um, so uh, my buddies were, were outside. They looked kind of scared too. It was just <laughs> Like Just you all were, you all could have easily backed out, but it's like the three of you together sort of shamed each exactly. other. Going, yeah. Exactly. It was, I think it was, uh, was it David Capstick and Justin Suckley, I think, were the, were the two people I went with. Were, oh, Martin, now David Capstick. I was never particularly friendly with any of them actually after that, which is funny. But we went in and we went upstairs. Our seats were up on the balcony upstairs. Reserve seats. And I was, yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've still got the ticket. I'll put a picture of the ticket up. Um, I was enthralled, uh, absolutely enthralled. The uh, local band called the Accelerators opened up, and then Subway Sect, and then the Buzzcocks, who were on the Love Bites tour, the second album. And uh, it was from start to finish. I was just, again, a little a little bit scared of the whole thing, of all the people around me and all the pogoing and you know people spitting, and because that's when people were spitting at the bands and stuff. So there was a lot of that stuff going on. Um, too scared to look at the merch or anything. Didn't even know about merch back then. You know, <laughs> just went right up to my seat. You know, and then when it was over, I think Justin Suckley's dad or whatever picked us up afterwards or something. So we got a ride home from the concert. But I can remember when I got top dropped off at the top of uh, my my road, uh, thinking, "Wow, that was like life changing." And it's, as it turned out, see, it was. See, it's 
it's funny, right? Because so so we sort of had that same experience where it just like our synapses fired just perfectly. It's some kind of chemical reaction that our we you and I had back at those shows, and we were hooked for life. Right. And now here we are, thirty years, forty years later, and I still. I mean, it's not the same, obviously. You can't get as much of a thrill. You know, there's a certain amount of jadedness that comes with having been doing it for so long. Right. But it's cool, man. It's it's really, you know, once in a while, you still get that little bit of lightning in a bottle where you're like, wow, that reminds me why, I'm, why I still do this, you know? I mean, looking back now, I'd wished I'd taken more advantage of it and looked around and actually looked at see if they had any merch. Because I'm sure they had t-shirts or something. And sure. just experienced it more. But, uh, Could have bought some records that would be worth fifty thousand bucks right now. Exactly, exactly. Um, but you know, I, I, I was there, and at the time that was that was that was enough. So yeah, so I was fifteen. I think I think I've got a picture somewhere of me at that wedding earlier on, so I can show you exactly what I look like there. I'm surprised I didn't get beat up. To be fair, <laughs> you know, because I would have beat me up. But. Uh, like I say, a few days later, I decided I was this Didi Ramon haircut wasn't for me anymore, and I was going to get a my hair was going to be moderately short, and I was going to try and find some t- damn straight leg pants if I could. So that turned out to be kind of difficult, and uh, but yeah, school was never the same afterwards because then I started to so I I carry like an army bag, you know, where I had my books in and stuff like that. And I painted the top of the army bag. My dad had some old acrylic paints and stuff from painting the house or whatever. And I painted the top of the army bag with like the Buzzcocks logo and stuff like that. And uh, I started to, so I started differentiating myself from the crowd then, you know. And I can remember lining up uh, to go into a class and people coming past and guys coming past and laughing at me because I had short, shorter hair, you know. And, uh, mm. but within a year. Lots of other people started doing it too. You know what I mean? It was. It is funny because like you do, you just do anything. Like I, I, my brother, like my brother was four years younger than me, and we were always screwing around with that stuff. We got into skateboarding and stuff, and I remember like I shaved like one side of his head or something, but Ooh, not the other. My parents, my parents were, and I shaved all my my off bald on one on one side, not nearly as bad as I did to my brother. But it was just like, uh, yeah, my parents were pretty appalled. But yeah. And, you know, I kind of miss those days, Neil, honestly, kind of like I have a lot of patches. I buy. I still like to buy like punk patches. I'm like, I should go back to making my own clothes because back in those days, not not like we were the sex business or anything, but we didn't have any money. Right. Right. So you would use safety pins. You would do you know, you would have to get creative to make unusual clothes like over the years. Now, it's just like, oh, I got money. I just buy the jeans I want. I buy the T-shirts I want or whatever. You know what I mean? But right. back in those days, you had to be sort of ingenuitive to. Make your clothes. And I'm like, I have all these patches. I'm like, I should just have my wife's. No, granted, have my wife do it. Not exactly the same as back in the old day. I'm like, I got this sweet patch. I should just have my wife sold this patch onto a pair of shorts or something, you know? And so I, they're, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I, and, and so I kind of miss those days because it was fun. It was definitely a way to express yourself that I haven't really done for years, you know? So it is funny, like exactly like you say. Like, we didn't have any money. So when I was trying to dress punk or whatever, like outside of school, uh, I'd have to like I'd have, I'd have to like hide stuff from my mom because I didn't want my mom seeing it or whatever. So you'd have like I'd have like one like kind of mohair sweater or something, um, and I'd wear it on like a jacket or something. And I'd have I have one band T-shirt, I had a Clash T-shirt, which I haven't seen since that same design. It was a great Clash shirt, but I would cover it up so my mom couldn't see it when I left the house or something. You know what I mean? 
And uh, but then when you went out, you were like in full, you know, showing off the t-shirt. You know, it had like super bright, bright colors. And like I say, punk t-shirts were white. And the majority of people in my town, my age, they were all like metalheads, and they had long hair, and you know, kind of like you probably back then. Um, well, but, but, you know, black black t black like Thin sure. Lizzy or Motorhead t shirts or whatever. Motorhead were the big band, and uh, and so I really stood out because short hair and then the white t shirt and you know some crappy straight leg pants, you know. But it was a huge deal back then. It was a huge deal. My, uh, you know, my dad used to take me to gun shows, so I'd get like a lot of military surplus stuff. Oh, there you go. And, like, that the, works. The yeah. classic, like, like thigh length olive drab jacket, the M60 field jacket, or whatever it was called. Yep. So yeah, I had a lot of that stuff, and I patch everything, patch everything up, you know. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, yeah, because um, that's when army surplus stores actually you could get like decent army surplus stuff. Well, it was cheap, you know it was right? all that it was all that leftover Vietnam stuff. Yeah, I mean, we got some, we got some Korean War stuff in our army surplus stores from the states. Yeah, so that was that was a bigger thing for me in college than it was in in high school because my mom wouldn't have allowed that. (laughs) But uh, my parents, yeah, it wasn't really it wasn't really too much of an issue. So and the thing was, so in the in the so I I live in a suburb called Wallasey of of Liverpool, and uh, there was two other kids in town. So there was maybe like sixty, eighty like heavy metal kids and there was two other kids in town who were into punk and they didn't go to my school they went to a neighboring school and that's why i didn't know them that well but again it was and i'm sure you had this too if you saw someone on the street who had short hair and had a band t-shirt on or something then you immediately you were like part of this crew and that's who you hung out with and you knew you had this shit in common with and um yeah, so that was my friends Vosi and Carl, and they were both huge Jam fans. So they would dress in like you know white shirts, black skinny ties, and like black jackets and stuff, and uh, like mods basically. And that was that was like something from out of space, you know. But we all hung around together and went to school discos and stuff together and got into fights together, and that's that's the way it was back then. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Play a song, man. All right, so we'll use this song as a. To shift gears. So this is a sloppy song. So we're going to see sloppy this weekend. By the time you guys hear this, it'll probably already be over our uh, live show at McHenry and our sloppy weekend. But um, this is a great song because I feel this way sometimes. I watch these some of the way these young girls dress, and I'm not trying to be a creep, and I know they weren't trying to be a creep, but it's like I swear when we went to high school, the girls were dressed by the Taliban. <laughs> yes, yeah. And now I, see I know what you mean. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, they look like hookers, you know. Yeah. So this is uh, this is uh, Sloppy Seconds from their last studio album from like 12 years ago, Endless Bummer. It's called High School Girls. There's a liquor store to the right. You should have known you know where to find the boys and the booze.
seconds with high school girls. That's a great song. I really, I really like that so, song. It's funny. So it's, and so, I agree. I agree completely. So last night, my kids went to the homecoming dance. Ah. Now, was that a thing in England? I mean, no. did you have like formal dances at school? Nothing like that. No, I went to an all boys school, um, high school. So where were you? Where were you expected to go drink too much and deflower lovely young lasses, Neil? Well, we had an old no high well, school dances. We had an so I went to Henry Mel's, which was all boys, but right next door. Oh boy, that could get ugly. Kitty, kitty corner. Prom was, was prom was a very unpleasant situation. Yeah, yeah. No, but next door there was a there was a uh, all girls high school called Oxley. So um, you know, all the and then we, you know we'd meet at the playing fields with with a join or whatever. So you know the kids from Henry Mel's would mingle with the girls from Oxley, and I, sounds that's, like a bad '80s movie plot. Well, that's what it. Yeah, and my girlfriend, my girlfriend back in those days, Donna. She was uh, she went to Oxley, and uh, yeah, we were. It was it was nice, but we didn't have dances like that. There was not they do now, but in England back then there was nothing like that American stuff. We didn't have dan we oh. didn't have formal dances or anything like that. Yeah, so we were we my younger daughter can't drive or anything, so we kind of set them up at a local restaurant here before and then we sat over at a different table with another set of the parents and we were watching and I'm telling you, some of these girls and I'm not a prude dude, but these I, I don't know who's letting their kids out of the house dressed like this. Right. Yeah, it is very but, different for sure. And, and yeah, so it, it's uh, – anyway, it, it's very interesting. We went to – you know, I went to a lot of those dances. When I, I didn't go to all of them. It depended on the attitude. Or if I – you know what it depended on? Whether I had a girlfriend mm-hmm. at the time. So, I you know, I went to freshman homecoming and I went to senior homecoming and I went to both my proms. And my last prom, my, my senior prom, my wife and I went together. So, well, there you go. That was, yeah, that was over thirty years, over thirty years ago. So, so we didn't have we didn't have school dances like that, but there would be like uh, um, like uh, youth clubs and uh, churches would you know like have a church social or whatever. It'd be a church disco or whatever. So on a Friday night, wow, Friday Boy, that's, night. I tell you, our churches around here with the with the reformed uh, tradition. I mean, they just started allowing like organ music about fifty years ago. <laughs> I bet they, I bet they, they, allow, I bet they allowed organ music, makeup. but not that kind of organ. <laughs> definitely no makeout parties in the church basement. <laughs> yeah, so we so we had we had a lot of that. And those were all oh, those were the clashes, man. Because those would be when because everybody from uh, from the village would show up, everyone from town would show up, and so there'd be like sixty heavy metal kids and me and Carl and Vosi, and you know that's when you would really dress up, right? Because you were trying to a impress the girls, but also you were showing your colors, right? And um, the DJ would just be, you know, he'd be playing regular. 78 79 he'd be playing whatever was on the radio and stuff right but so we'd bring in records for him to play and if the dj was cool he would play the records so our favorite thing to do was you know the dickies did a version of well they did lots of uh cover versions right but they did that one of paranoid yep and we would bring that in then the dj would say oh just announce that it's going to be paranoid so all the heavy metal guys would get on the floor already to dance to paranoid and instead it would be the dickies version and we'd be fucking pogoing about and we get them so I mean, pissed you, off. How do you dance to Black Sabbath's "Paranoid"? You just slowly nod your head or nod your head to the beat. I mean, it's not—it's not dance music, right? This is okay. I'll—I'll I'll have to put a video of this because I don't even know if there's a thing anymore. But in the late '70s in England, there was a dance called the Stomp, and basically, uh, it's difficult to describe. But yeah, they got the guy—they get into lines and face each other and do this like rhythmic kind of thing. 
And uh, so sounds, they sounds they, very homoerotic. They'd say it was going to be paranoid, and so the, all the heavy metal kids would all get up in, in these lines facing each other, and instead it would be the Dickies <laughs> one. So me, Colin Vosky would be like pogoing down the middle of them. It was the most anarchistic thing that we could think of in the whole world, and we almost got our asses kicked about a thousand times, but it was worth it. God damn it, because we were punk rockers <laughs> and fuck you guys, right? That's funny. I can remember when we they had us. Okay, they <laughs> they had us. I remember they had us surrounded, so we had to hide in the bathroom. And uh, we're like, "How the fuck are we gonna get out?" And we were with another guy called uh, Alex Nuttall, I think Nutty. And uh, he goes, "I'm going for help," but he climbed out the window, and uh, we never saw him again. For <laughs> I believe I, that's I believe that's the plot from the Karate Kid. Neil. Are you sure you're not like confusing? You're getting no, confused here in your old age. Apparently, Nutty is still looking for help because I haven't I haven't seen him in forty years. So he must still be looking for it's help. All for funny us, but... they murdered him and buried him behind the school. It's all good. <laughs> now the funny thing is, I heard later on he became a bouncer and he was like this big, rough and tough guy. But you know, that's the only thing we just saw his clean heels that night. You know what he... it was? He got, he got beat so badly by those metalheads. He's like, I'm going to go to the gym every day until I get to be big and strong. Well, maybe that's what it was. He gave himself homemade tattoos as well it's um like, it's like the charles atlas thing right he got kicked in the sand kicked in his face and then he went home and of course looking of course looking back you know the heavy metal kids they were probably like 15 years old and just as weedy as we were there was just a lot of them you know they were probably well, and that, to... that was the thing with seeing all these kids yesterday you know the one thing all of us parents agreed on it or for the most part was like boy i wouldn't want to go back there because these kids are so awkward and they're so insecure and there's so much all that weird testosterone and emotional stuff even though I did say, you know, you're right, I really don't want to go back. But, boy, to do some of the things that they have yet to do for the first time again, it's like, what do we have left to do, you know? Oh, be, shut be, up, be, man. Okay. You know what I mean? But, I mean, there's very few firsts left for us. Oh, yeah, you know? for, yeah 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I've, be, be pallbearers at each other's funerals, Neil? Oh, That's Jesus. not really something to look forward to. Well, I have had a lot of funerals recently. It is true. There's, yeah. there's been too many. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think kids are even more awkward today because everything they do is online. There's so less face to face, you know, than what we had. You know, even well, at these the, even at these stupid school discos, you'd still be trying to chat up girls, and you know, you'd be showing off, you know, and all that stuff. You, yeah, you got more used to it than than kids today for sure. Well, and, and dating is weird. Everything's weird. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it's not the world we grew up in, definitely. But you know, all I knew of sex was in the porno mag I found in the hedge. You know. There you go. <laughs> until you were until you're right, until you experienced it for the first time. And it's like, wow, that wasn't like I expected at all. <laughs> no. Well that's especially now, you imagine okay, to put it in perspective, these kids now, every one of them grows up with a phone in their hand, they have access to the most hardcore I'm just like I, I feel like I and I never did do this with my sons, but I feel like sitting down and going, Yeah, that's not gonna happen. Yeah, that's really advanced. You need to start here. You know what I mean? Because I think you you want they, they get have access to all this crazy stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's that's pretty advanced. I mean, that may happen to you one day, but you oh, know, don't yeah. expect it. Don't expect that. You know, hundred percent. I mean, in, in that in that way, it's got to be really tough to be a kid today, especially to be a female. Because what guys are expecting like anal on the first date? Because that's what everyone <laughs> in Pornhub is doing. You know what I mean? Well, and, it's, it, yeah, and and all these weird just like aerobic like things and just yeah 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 meanwhile yeah these meanwhile high school boy going for the going for the kill and it lasts 30 seconds and it's you know, <laughs> i mean it's a, yeah. amazing 30 seconds but yeah and she's like yeah. is it was that it <laughs> but we've de- we've definitely died divulge or we've, we've definitely descended down a rabbit hole here now all right let's uh let's have you play another song 
Okay, I am going to play. Uh, this is a song by a band, actually, a band I don't know much about. I, I just know this one fabulous song. The band is called Tours, like T-O-U-R-S, like, you know, I'm going on a tour of whatever. And uh, the, the song is called Language School. And it's a fabulous power pop song from 1978. So this is Tours with Language School. <laughs> there with language school and that's what that's one of those ones that obviously was not a big hit and but it's worth if you can find the seven inch these days it's worth a lot of money you know because mm. probably it was on a small label and they were ne- never a popular band so it was never repressed or anything like that so yeah great great song though um lyrics are a little dodgy just as they were back then because you know it seemed like having sex with underage girls and stuff didn't seem like that big of a deal right bowie and everybody was doing it and so well it's funny i, I told you i think I, I i can't remember did we talk about how i listened to casey Kasem, the old countdowns did we talk about that on the podcast i don't think so i don't remember it i mean i but know i try and do the voice like sometimes the, but you know. like the mid 80s i'm listening to casey Kasem's do top 40 countdown and one of the big hits climbing to number 13 this week is this song it, it, it's called into the night. If I could fly, I'd pick you up and take you into the night. You know, that song was like a big hit in the mid-80s. But the first line is, my friends say stay away. You're only 16 years old. <laughs> and then, like, later on, Casey Kasem's doing a long-distance dedication. 
you know, my my husband's or my boyfriend's away in the military. You know, we started dating when he when I was 15 and he was 21 and we have a six year old child together. And like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Because you imagine that now. I right. mean, it's just it's it's insane. I mean, I guess if the world's gotten a little better as far as that goes, then I guess that's something. Of course, I guess even that age, you know, when I was even when I was getting out of school 30 years ago, it wasn't unusual for girls to get married. Girls more to older guys usually get married right out of school. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And now it'd be like a horror scene. I mean, just I, go, I mean, just going back to you know, because that's. 70. I mean, I guess. It's, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing that we've you know eliminated casual the casualness of pedophilia. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just bizarre how much it's changed in the last 35 years. Well, I actually think there's still a lot of states where, um, I, the age limit to get married is like 15. It's really low, like with parental permission. It's really low in like 30 states. I think. I mean, I won't even. I, I won't even like. I did this. I did this for my old daughter, but I, my younger daughter, I won't even sign to get her nose pierced. Right. I'm like it's enough already. Who's signing to get their kid married? Right. But also, the fact of the matter is, and then we're going to say it's mostly the southern states, but the fact of the matter is, in other parts of the world, especially like Islamic nations, it's not unusual to give up give up your 12 year old daughter, or your 14 year old daughter for marriage, even to an older guy. Right. Right. It's a cultural. It's a cultural thing, right? Which is which is why I think it's really hysterical. Just judging back to some, jumping back to some what we were talking about last week is the hypocrisy of some of these right-on people who are like angry at the U.S. for doing this, but they'll you know, yeah, it is. It is they it completely is a weird, turn a blind eye to some of that shit, or the fact that there's slavery weird, still in all kinds of the all parts of the world, you know. Well, Saudi Arabia didn't outlaw slavery, make it illegal officially till 1968, mm-hmm. and it still goes on all over the world, including this country. But it is it is a weird. I do find it weird that the like the kind of coalition between the Islamists and the left wing, because how long do you think that is going to last right. once things start falling apart? Yeah, you have to you have, you have to turn a blind eye to all kinds of all kinds of yeah. things in the, in the yeah. Islamic world. You know? But it's you know, th- that's the world we live in. Everything yeah. white and male is bad. Everything brown and female is good. So you just, just got us canceled. buddy. Bad. What's that? You just got us canceled. Well, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, yeah. that's that's you, you hear a lot of that. Um, and the fact of the matter is, if you, you know, I would say there's countries that are run. Unfortunately, there's no countries that are run entirely by women. So you can't really put this in perspective. But, you know, there's countries that are run entirely by brown people and they're not utopia. The fact of the matter is, it's less about skin color and less about sex than it is about, you know, power. People are creates, assholes. Power creates corruption. Whatever's in power, eventually they're going to become corrupt. And yes, we live in a country where white males have been in power. They tend to be the most corrupt, no question about it. But it's not. I don't know about the most corrupt. I think if you look at Idi Amin in Uganda, I think you might find yeah. it was pretty well, but, corrupt. <laughs> what they said, right? No white people at all, right? But it's they, the powerful are the corrupt, you know? Yeah. Absolute power. So anyway, there's Corrupts, my little. Absolutely. There's my, there's my weekly attempt at getting us canceled among the. <laughs> yeah. Background. Yeah, who will. Yeah, that's so, like everything out of context and just, just you know, go for that one quote that you get. So, Neil, I'm, I'm going to – so, okay. So, we have a letter I was going to read. Oh, are we done with – okay, so we're done with school. Well, so, I don't know. Do, we, do you have anything else about well, I, I, well, I, well, I just wanted to ask. So, I don't even know this, Tom. I've known you for a while, but I don't know. Did you did you go to college or did you, or did you like, leave, did. leave high school at 18 and get a job straight away? No, well, I did. I took a year off, which was stupid. But I didn't have any money and my parents were not – really in a position to help me with college. And I, even now, like my kids, my wife sits there and goes through all this fast for stuff with them, which is like the tax stuff and all that stuff. My, my parents didn't do that. And I'm not, I'm not even trying to criticize my parents. It was just a different, 
a different era. My dad is not necessarily a huge believer in higher education, mm-hmm. um, even though he went to college. Both my parents went to college, uh, but they only have like two year degrees. But um, but uh, yeah, I took a year off, and then I did go to college. I went to what was the community college. It was cheap, you know. Mm-hmm getting my credits. And then I went to Grand Valley state university, which is where my kids go. My older kids go, which I did not push them to go to, by the way, as a matter of fact, I always hoped they go somewhere more fun, but uh, I ended up dropping out when I was about 26. So I wasn't like a traditional student. I wasn't like trying to plow through in four years. I was kind of just here and there, you know, a couple classes a semester. And then my son was born. I already had a pretty good job mm-hmm. and I just, I always meant to go back, but I never did. So I do not have a degree. So what were you? Uh, what was your major? What were you doing in I college? Wanted, I was going to get into secondary education. Huh. And not that I really even wanted to do that, but it just seemed like the least worst job. Gotcha. Yeah, like be a high school teacher. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Like that's... I never wanted to have any kind of job. I still don't. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But yeah. I always, you know, and now unfortunately, I always wanted to go back. I always wanted to get my degree. I always feel like a. I'm sorry that I didn't do that, but it's it, the odds of it happening now are very, very low. Slim so, and none. Yeah, slim is left Well, hand. and if I did get a degree, it would probably be in the field I'm in now, not the, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go student teach for six months for free at this point in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I went, so, I, I, I ended up going to the uh, University of Manchester. I went in uh, 1981 was my first year. Uh 81, 82, yeah, 81 was my first year, and I was so incredibly lucky to be in Manchester in 1981 because of all the sure. incredible all music the that was coming out. I mean, Jesus Christ, it couldn't have been any better, right? Um, so I was well, there. Well, I mean, a lot of people would argue with that. A lot of people wouldn't wipe their ass with the Smiths or, you know, Joy Division or whatever. But, I mean, it was it was definitely up excellent time if you were into a oh, certain yeah. style right yeah 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 new order and stuff i saw new orders think first or second gig i saw the smith's third gig i saw but everybody came through manchester as well you know sure. so I, I you know there was one week in my first year when i saw the clash twice Susie and the banshees and an early u2 gig all in the same week you know it's amazing that you uh graduated well so here's the thing so the, what i did in college um most english colleges are three years three three year degree but I did. I chose American Studies because I got to spend a year in the states, and that's the reason oh, I chose that. And you got to remember, back then, college was if you did manage to get in, which, like I say, it was very difficult to get back in back then. But if you did get in, college was not only completely paid for by the government; you also got a grant, so they gave you spending money, like like living money. So. Um, I was in for four years, government paid the whole thing, plus I got a year in the States for free. And uh, so that's how I actually came to be an exchange student down at U of I in 83-84. There weren't a lot of good uh, uh, universities to choose in the States, like there was nothing in there was nothing in LA or there was nothing in California. So it was mainly University of Wisconsin, you know, Penn State, mainly Big Ten schools, to be honest. And uh, wait, there's a lot of sirens in your background today, Neil. Must be an exciting day in Skokie. Skokie, man, it's it's Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it's everyone's everyone's getting the shit broke into. Um, But yeah, that's how I ended up going down to U of I in '83. So that was my junior year, and then I went. So I was U of I for nine months. Went back to Manchester, graduated with a very very average degree because I was skateboarding. Uh, music and girls and you know and not in that order that was what i was interested in back then so i got a very average degree and then uh graduated what was that 85 
and uh, ended up going back to the States just to hang out with my mates down at U of I again and never ended up going back. So I had no plans to do that. It just kind of worked out that way <laughs> and got married a year later. So plan, you know, thing with plans, their best laid plans are meant to be screwed up. Right. I think that's these kids. Now they try to lay out their whole life in front of them and they go to their counselor and all this like, Oh, we got to have a career plan for you. I'm like, yeah, it's not going to work like that. Well, don't I don't want stress. It, out. it just, always, it, it always amazes that. me when I find people who are like that, Tom. I mean, I don't know, I don't oh, know what you're so like. rare though. How many people do you know that like went and got their degree and work in that field? I mean, it happens, but it's pretty rare. But I'm just talking about even for things in life, you know, like where they want to live or what they want to do. Like my ex-girl, girlfriend was like that and that used to drive me insane like she'd live be living her life by these rules she'd made for herself when she was like 20 and i'd be like that's just so bizarre i mean i'm not saying my life was anything to for people to emulate because i did i just kind of drifted from one thing to another but you know i just think that forcing it it is it is strange and scary though because like i look at our lives now it's like my kids are gonna be grown up my parents are gonna be gone it's like we we're, you know, the future is wide open for us. Now, will we stay right where we are? I mean, maybe. But you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's, it is strange. Well, it's like that for me right now. You know, my mom and dad are now yeah. gone. We're going to be selling the family house back home. So yeah. I, I can basically move wherever the hell I want at some point. All I know was I don't want any many more Chicago winters. That's all I know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's us too. You know, when we retire, I think we'll go south probably. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. So see anyway, so your high school years or your school years, you, you enjoyed them? That was I did. Yeah. Especially towards the end. Like I said, I was a big man on campus. I, I did enjoy it. And so were you like were you, were, were you the you were the you were the punk rock guy on campus? Did people other people emulate oh. like the younger kids emulate trying to be like you or trying to be friends or whatever? yeah, to a certain extent maybe. Yeah. I th- I think that was probably the case. I don't know. I don't think you realize how influential you are until you're you know, I don't think it's you can really appreciate it at the time. Yeah. But like I said, I had I had my I had a younger brother and uh, sister, and we we had a pretty good circle of friends. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, looking back now, I wish I'd taken more advantage of some of the things that some of the incredible gigs and stuff that were going on in Liverpool. I went to some, obviously, but uh, now when you look like weekly, you know. Yeah. Well, but you didn't have the time. You didn't have the money. It's easy to say looking back. You know? Oh yeah. I've skipped a lot of great gigs in my life, but you know the fact of the matter is I I couldn't afford to go to every one and. So, yeah, yeah, it's weird, man. Like I said, my kids are going to the same high school that my wife and I both graduated from. So it is strange looking at it now. You know, all the teachers have turned over. Half of them that we had are dead, you know. Um, it's definitely a much different place than when we were there. Uh, but anyway, so that this this is a song. This is a weird. So my next song I picked, Neil, is kind of weird, right? Because it's actually a Beach Boys cover. My mom was a pretty big Beach Boys fan growing up, so that was definitely an influence. Matter of fact, my mom took me to see the Beach Boys when I was like 12. There you go. Um, but the, there's a new Queers album out. It's all covers. Actually, all of them except for one. There's one re- remake of an old Queers Ben Weasel song. But it's all like 60s covers, like The Kids Are All Right and stuff like that by The Who. But they do a cover of uh, Be True to Your School. So let's uh, spin the Queers Be True to Your School. When some loud bragger tries to put me down and says the school is great I tell him right away, now what's the matter buddy, ain't you heard of my school, it's number one in the state So be true to your school, just like you would to your curly guy Be true to your school now, and let your colors fly Be true to your school 
Quiz there with Beach Rudio School, old Beach Boys cover. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard that new album of theirs yet, actually. It's pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. Is it I gonna... mean, it's not like, it's not earth shattering. It's a covers album, but it's pretty good. Is it going to make your top 10 list? Your end of uh, year? Yes, probably. Okay. You know what else is going to make my top 10 list, Neil? Is the new Descendants album with the original, like, Mild yeah. Goes to College lineup. I'm really enjoying that. I listen to it. So I did you manage had... to get it? Because I know you were having a hard time finding I it. I ended up you? buying the CD. Oh, a CD. What? What the hell is that? I know. And, well, it's one of those things. If it's going to cost 25 bucks and I can't get it for till December, I'm like, I want to listen to this thing. Dude, that's true. So, that that waiting list thing is just getting crazy, I, I'm, man. I'm about ready. To, I'm actually about ready to pull the trigger on another CD of an album that I want, but it's just it's 25 um, bucks, and I can't get it till December. And the CD's out now. I might just buy this. Get. I might just have. I might do the worst thing, dude. I might have Amazon sent to me for like 12 bucks. I mean, I'm still waiting for the Naked Raygun album, which was supposed to be out in ah, September. I'm it's, still waiting. Scam, dude. It's a pyramid scheme. Still waiting it's for never that. Gonna happen. Um. I'm still waiting for the new Teenage Bottle Rocket, even though they always said that wouldn't be out till November. Yeah. But I'm assuming. Well, that's I'm, that's I'm what Fat. Well, that's the thing. So Fat's doing that. Fat Records is doing that. Right. So same thing with the Face to Face album, and it, the, you know the CD's out now, the digital's out now, the LP doesn't come out till December. It's like what? I mean, if Fat can't get their stuff pressed on time, what chance do the rest of these labels have? Right. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, with a huge label like that, that it's just. So so weird how i mean it's huge i mean don't get me wrong it's not like taylor swift or something but it's yeah it's a big for a punk label it's as big as it gets well but are, are many people buying taylor swift on vinyl you know what i mean uh i mean what I else is selling big on vinyl shocked if you found out i well i think the indie bands are always big on vinyl Fucking that's indie the, bands. The, hipster, the hipster crowd you know what does that even mean anymore? It doesn't even mean anything indie. It's, it's so stupid. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. But, but so, it, it is. It's almost like, what was that thing that people were doing a few years ago where, um, you know, they'd take money up front to try and fund their next record or whatever? Um, oh, like Kickstarter or Kickstarter whatever. or something. Yeah. I mean, so, buying vinyl these days, it's almost like that. It's almost like, yeah, we give you our money up front, and six months later, we might actually see something, you know? It's... Uh, it's getting kind of crap. I'm almost giving up on this Naked Reagan album if I'm ever going to see it. We shall see, I guess. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Maybe we should just wrap it up. All right. I the my my last song is um actually there's a story oh, behind my other daughter. My other daughter's now my other daughter's now crawled out of her grave like room. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Do you do you do you do you celebrate? Do you do you uh, decorate the house for Halloween? Um, not really, but we usually have a Halloween party because we live in a great trick-or-treating neighborhood, so. Ah. Now, I'm going to wake up Halloween morning in Indianapolis after seeing Sloppy Seconds, so I think we'll probably hightail it back and try to make it back for Halloween party, but I don't know. We haven't, we're not sure yet. But anyway, yeah, so we will, so anyway, let me, let me, you can get a hold of us, of course, at our normal spots, right? Punk Till I Die 77 at Gmail yep. and Punk Till I Die podcast on Facebook. Join the Facebook group. It's a lot of we fun. We do have a pretty good we do have a pretty good letter from our pal Carl, but we'll read it next time. Yeah. Uh, but my last song though, I wanna I wanna introduce it a second. So you you know who Dave Goodman is, right? Dave Goodman. Sex Pistols. Oh, the producer guy. Producer. Yeah, yeah. I read his I read his autobiography. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a hippie. So, okay. Okay. So, in the crystal, healing crystals and stuff. In the autobiography, did he mention the X Pistols? So, that was like the band that he put together. Yeah. To like try to make money off the Sex Pistols name. Yeah. He was a little, he didn't really get into his sleaziness. 
in his own autobiography, surprisingly. Well, and the funny thing but, is, yeah, he did talk about it a little bit. The funny thing is, in some of those like bootleg Sex Pistols compilations, they actually throw some of the X Pistols songs on there and make out like it's yep. the Sex Pistols. Like, um, yep. like a Pirates of Destiny is one, I think, is one of those albums, and they actually have some of these uh, X Pistols songs. Um, on there and say they're the Sex Pistols, uh, even though there was no real Sex Pistols involved in any of these recordings. But they do do a really good copy, right? He even copies uh, yep. Johnny's voice, right? So yep. that's my last song I'm going to play today. I'm going to play, um, this is the X Pistols with the song Schools of Prisons. <laughs>
So the X pistols, uh, there with schools of prisons, and again, it's even it 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 sounds like Steve Jones on guitar. I mean, I guess that was stuff was easy to emulate, you know, with a musician working in the studio and stuff. But uh, they actually did a, it's a pretty convincing uh, copy. I don't know if you ever heard. Yeah, any I would of those say the songs. voice would be the hardest. Well, he actually does a good job. It's just with the phrasing, you know, the way Johnny would articulate certain vowel, uh, vowels and stuff sure. like that, and you know, and uh, so he does he does a good job with that. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. And then if they, they mucked around with the production, so it was kind of underproduced, so you couldn't really tell it wasn't them. You know what I mean? It was kind of muffled and stuff. It was, uh, it was a very clever, it was very clever what they did. Let the lawyers get rich trying to sort it out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, that was our school episode. You can write in and tell us what your school experiences was. I'd actually like to get some of my old friends like Vosio Kalan, you know, just to just to talk about some of those days because I think that would be if, fun. If you feel like you missed out on your high school experience and you'd like Neil and I to come bully you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for we'll sure. consider it. Yeah, like I said, we will be in uh, Chicago next weekend, and Looking I will be down in on right? Saturday, and we will be up in McHenry. So yeah, stop by and see us. Yep, and. uh Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will talk to you soon. Yep, yeah, keep a little mark in your heart, and uh, yeah, stay free, everybody. See you later. See you later.